Hi, and welcome back to Kylie Says. I'm your host, Kylie. I am a mom. I have two adorable kiddos, an amazing and incredibly handsome husband, and I also am a senior marketing executive by day. Over the past few years, I have gone on what I am calling a total spiritual awakening journey. I have begun adopting things into my life like manifestation, visualization. I have begun incorporating psychedelic therapy. I talk here on the podcast about everything from recovering from my eating disorder, living with a highly perfectionist outlook on life. I talk about motherhood, friendships, marriage, and more. I also am no bullshit when it comes to the spirituality journey and what wellness truly means to me because I don't think that wellness means that you suddenly have all of your shit together. That is 100% not true. Becoming the best version of yourself is my interpretation of wellness, no matter what that means. It doesn't necessarily mean you're drinking green juice or that you're having or taking all of these supplements. It just means that you're finding new ways to connect to yourself through deeply personal experiences, through things like journaling or through things like manifestation, visualizing your future and really connecting to your best self in whatever that might look like, whether it's grounding whether it's meditating, whether it's doing yoga or just taking a 10 minute walk every day. Your version of wellness is my version of wellness. I'm on the process of figuring out what it means and I am so, so thankful that you chose to join me. Tune up, buckle in. That did not even make sense, but I'm not even gonna delete it because that's literally the purpose of this. We're gonna just go through this together, join me, and let's figure out what the hell life is all about, shall we? I'm sitting here in my office where I do all of my podcast recordings covered in a blankie with a Kin Euphorics beverage. It's rainy and gloomy outside. The kids are in bed and I needed to really set the mood and set my intentions for how I wanted to cover this episode. Not only is it my very first episode that's based on a recommendation from a listener, it's also a recommendation from one of my girlfriends. And since she requested this, her grandmother has passed away. And one of my other great friends has also lost her grandmother. So I think that the topic of grief is very much present around me and the energy around some of those that I love the very, very most in life, both of whom are likely going through their own stages of grief along with their families. And... I have lost a lot of people from a very early age, and I vividly remember my parents sitting me down on the stairs in my childhood home, I think I was on the third or the second step, and telling me that someone that I knew had died. And I remember thinking that I felt like I should be crying because I could tell that my parents had been crying, but I didn't totally understand what it meant because I was so young. I must have been four or five years old, but I still vividly remember them sitting me down to tell me that. And then I remember countless other people passing throughout that time period and always feeling like I somehow needed to solve for other people's grief or I needed to be more aware of other people's grief because if there was a way for me to help them turn it around, I wanted to. And then I think the first 
time that I truly felt like I was completely stifled by my own grief was in high school when I was 15 or 16 years old and someone that I was dating had passed away in a motorcycle accident and it completely broke me mentally and physically. I lost most of my friends in high school or rather they chose to disengage with me because apparently it's no fun to be around someone who's experiencing depression from grief. So that was a very difficult situation. And it almost was a completely dissociative experience where I felt like I didn't even know how to live or how to continue. And it wasn't so much that it was the love of my life or anything along those lines, but I had just never experienced it with someone that was I guess someone that I felt like I loved at the time because at 15 years old what love feels like is really big it's messy it's expansive and it's something that you can't really name I mean at the time when you're 15 you think you know exactly what love is you think you know the answers to everything so to feel like the rug was just completely ripped out from underneath me and that I never had any opportunity to talk to this person again was pretty triggering for me and I remember getting a phone call in the middle of the night and this is when we had house phones and my mom came into the room and I was in a deep sleep like I was in that REM type sleep and she woke me up and said the phone is for you and I remember being so confused like who is calling me in the middle of the night I thought I was in a dream and then hearing one of his friends tell me that they're so sorry to call me in the middle of the night but that they wanted me to know that he had died and I think I just kind of said, okay. And he said a few more words to me, and I don't really remember what they were. And then he said, you know, okay, bye. And I said, bye. My mom said, well, you know, like, what was going, what was that about? Who was that? And I told her, you know, they said, he's died. And she said, like, oh, my gosh, honey, I'm so sorry. And then I just went back to bed. And then the next morning I woke up and felt like I had been hit by a truck. I went to school and had to speak to the guidance counselor. I was beside myself hysterical. I ended up having to just, I had to talk to the guidance counselor because I was clearly experiencing some really big feelings that I did not know how to sit with. And I think that that is one thing that we are never really taught when we become teenagers because our parents want to, your parents want to be able to keep you from any pain or any hurt and they don't want you to have to experience anything like this. So they don't know how to help you move through that process because they just want to be there for you and will tell you things like, honey, whatever you need, I'll be here for you. But that doesn't feel like enough when you're in the moment. And I think one thing that I really, really want to be able to teach my children is how to cope with their big feelings. I think coping mechanisms are one of the strongest gifts that we can give to our children. And that's why I think human design is so incredible because it it helps create a blueprint for each individual and therefore you can identify what their strengths and so-called weaknesses might be and the way that they might need information delivered to them or spaces that might make them feel more safe. But I think I've already been starting to do meditation and sometimes my daughter asks if she can meditate with me and she likes to meditate before we go to bed and we hold hands and then we say namaste together. I've been teaching her deep breathing and so she knows if she gets worked up take a deep breath sometimes she'll even tell her brother who's only one breathe baba 
And I think that those are all skills that are so important and they don't just lend to children because I think as you become an adult and you are faced with adult shit, it's going to be really hard for you to move through some of it if you haven't actually had a chance to sit with your feelings. And I think so many of us use exercise or binge eating or television or Instagram or TikTok or binge drinking or smoking or drugs or going out and always staying busy because we don't want to actually have to do what seems more scary than being busy 24-7 and finding something to keep your mind busy and that's actually sitting with your feelings and I think that as you become an adult when you actually have to start facing things head on and you realize that there might be patterns or there might be things that you could definitely change. It becomes harder to actually want to do those things. And I was listening to another podcast where she was saying she hates when people say you have to do the work. I totally understand that sentiment, but I disagree because it is work. It's just like how we, you know, so many of us have to actually get up and go to work and make a living. It's the same sort of thing when it comes to dealing and dealing with your emotions managing your stress, becoming more aware of how your body physiologically reacts to certain situations and stimuli. And, you know, I recently went to a concert that was so amazing with my best friend. And we were both talking about, you know, there's a lot of energy in here. And I was telling her how I did like an energy protection prayer for myself when I was at the Super Bowl because it was something that I just felt like I needed to do. And I felt like it really worked and I was able to focus my own energy internally and I wasn't impacted by other people's energies. And that helped me a lot. And I think when it comes to grief, being present in your feelings is going to be something that's incredibly impactful powering and it's going to be really hard and I think it's going to be hard not to want to kind of run away from those feelings but I think instead of trying to numb yourself with like food internet shopping wine you know or pouring yourself into work for instance I think that's another one that especially our generation is bound to do at some point as a method of avoidance It's only going to help temporarily and it's simply going to mask the pain. It's not going to actually help you solve anything and there's power in working through the pain and I've said that in another episode before but not in the same sense but I think that when someone passes away or transitions to the other side, it makes you question so many things like why did this happen? They were in pain or... I knew it was coming, but it doesn't make it any harder. They lived a great life, but, you know, they weren't happy or they weren't themselves their last few years or these, this last week of theirs really, you know, they, they wouldn't have wanted us to see them that way. And I think that one thing to take into account, because I truly believe this is no matter how someone passes, It's important to remember, and this I hope that this doesn't make anyone upset, but I do think that certain situations happen at certain times in our lives to teach us or to teach someone else a lesson. And it it won't it won't make any sense to question the why because we will never understand the why or not in the ways that we will traditionally want to. The best way to be able to help yourself process 
the grief is to actually acknowledge what hurts so much and asking yourself the what am I feeling in my body? What does this experience make me scared of? Is it death? Is it the unknowing? Is it how are you going to move on without this person because they were so so prominent in your life? And I think being able to ask yourself some of those questions and really sit with the answer or journal with the answer is going to help you become a lot more aware of what of what exactly you're feeling. And this is not to say that you're not that you can't also miss this person or that you can't be devastated by the loss because I totally understand that and I have 100% been there. I think it's more as, as we get older in particular and especially as you become a parent yourself and you're trying to deal with how do I talk to my child about what death is? How do I talk to my child about what's going on when they might not truly understand? Being able to identify your own emotions and then show them how to properly work through them instead of lashing out at them, lashing out at your partner, taking things out on yourself or your friends or your family. There is so much power in being present to work through that pain. And I think being able to journal through some of that is also really, really empowerful. And some of the questions that you might want to ask yourself are, you know, what am I going to miss about this person? And being able to recount some of those really amazing memories that you had together. And also from there, once you kind of are identifying, you know, what bond did we have? What did this person mean to me? What did I mean to this person? And starting to kind of identify what your relationship was based around. Maybe it was a lot of jokes. Maybe it was a lot of poking fun. Maybe they always made you something really special or they had these random decorations around the house. For instance, my grandma always collected elephants with the trunks up um, and she loved Sylvia Brown and she loved cooking. She would loved Rachel Ray and she loved Barack Obama. So some of those things always make me think of her. Like she captured news articles of, you know, newspaper clippings of some of the things that she loved and like put them in little books with notes on the columns about things that she thought or if there was a good quote or a recipe that she really liked. And some of those things always make me think of her with a smile on my face. She also never left the house without makeup. Her hair was always done. She always had lipstick and mascara on and she always wore really beautiful neutral colors and was just so classy at all times. And she had the most amazing skin and had never had any work done. And she just took such good care of herself. And she liked living on her own. She had friends. They would go to Trader Joe's together. So, you know, sometimes I would talk to her at night when I'd be on my workout bike, just talking to her about life after a glass of wine or two. And she would just tell me random stories. And, you know, that connection to me was incredibly, incredibly special. And my sign that I've asked for specifically from her is a butterfly and when I first started really identifying or trying to play around with the idea of asking for signs very clear signs that would mean something to me and angel numbers when they started to appear to me I became a lot more aware of how often I saw them and how if I hadn't identified that that would that that meant something super unique and special to me that I would be missing them all the time and how oftentimes when I feel like it'll be days and days where I haven't seen anything I'll make that request verbally out loud to my grandma or to my spirit guides and ask for a sign saying I either want to see this or this and more often than not that day I will see something so one thing that I think 
is empowering is to get incredibly specific. I think a lot of people, when someone pass away, they, they say that they want a sign. Show me that you're still with me because you really want that comfort. There's comfortability in, in what feels safe and what's the same. So asking, show me a sign that you're still here. Give me, give me some sort of an indication that, you know, your spirit has lived on or that you're still with me because I need you so much. And one thing that I think people do when, you know, with all of the best intentions is when they make those requests, it's super open-ended. Give me a sign. That does not allow your loved one who is on the other side to give you a meaningful sign that you'll be looking out for. So something that I think is really impactful that you can do is to ask for a very specific sign. And if you're very new to this in requesting something from, you know, a spirit, so to say, in particular, this might seem totally woo-woo and incredibly strange, but it's also incredibly comforting. And once you see that sign, I guarantee you, you will get goosebumps all over your entire body and you will feel like, oh, holy shit, I cannot believe that just happened. You know, there is no such thing as a coincidence when it comes to this. That has to be my sign. So when you're asking for a sign for some, you know, that is specific to someone to show them that they're listening to you and that they can hear you, ask for something specific. Ask for a purple unicorn, you know, something like that you might not see every day or ask for, you know, a tree of some sort. I want to, I want a redwood tree, something that you don't necessarily see every day. So it would feel unique if you were to see it. And then it could be an email invitation that has a tree on it. It could be you're walking through the the mall and you see a girl with a purple unicorn on her t-shirt. You know, it's it's something where you you have to be ultra aware after you make those requests. But once you see it, you'll know that it's a meaningful sign for you. And I think that that can help a lot with some of the fear around well once they're gone it's lights out because I personally absolutely do not believe that and I feel like I know that to be true but I think many other people who haven't necessarily gone through spiritual who haven't had spiritual moments in the way that I feel like I have it's a lot harder for them to understand because it doesn't make sense and some people are very black and white or some people are very much based on if it's not scientific I don't believe it because science is based on fact but some things in the universe can simply not be explained. And I think that life after death is one of those things that simply cannot be explained. But I believe that it exists. Something else that can likely be hard is when you have moments in time coming up where you really were hoping that that person might be present for it. And you're now wondering how are you going to move forward without that person there and still be able to celebrate in your own special way. And one way that I think is going to be helpful for that is getting incredibly intentional around how you can best honor that person and and or what you might need going into that to make sure that you are okay. So as you're planning for a huge event or something where it would have been absolutely incredible or you talked about the event with them about how they're so happy for it, they can't wait to be there for you, I think being able to take a moment to yourself and give yourself a little bit of room to breathe in advance or talk out loud or even in your head to that person to say, I wish you were here, but I know you'll show up for me. 
and ask for another sort of sign or simply just say, you know, when I touch your photo, please know that I'm thinking of you, but I won't be saying anything out loud because it will make me upset. So you can literally set an intention and tell it to whomever you've lost and see if anything happens. And I just put that out there because grief can be a big trigger. So if you're going into an event like this and you have a lot of emotions around it, I would also be really mindful about what you're feeling in your body leading up to that because you need to be aware of and process those emotions. One thing that I think we don't talk about enough as a society is how our bodies physically hold on to emotions. And I said this before, but emotions is literally energy in motion. So if you're holding on to energy that's based on fear, that's based on grief, that's based on sadness, your body will literally hold on to it. This is why things, this is why practices like Reiki are so popular because it helps move the body, move energy through your body, especially when you have blockages of energy in your body. So I would be incredibly mindful about maybe doing some sort of intentional movement during your greatest moments of grief and even if that's something as simplistic as sitting in a bath and just breathing into your body doing a meditation doing yoga or pilates going for a run just being able to move your body and kind of get out some of that energy is going to be incredibly incredibly helpful for you and then i think one thing that i don't think is this is a tough one because i feel like Grief can also create questions of fairness in the human experience. And I don't know I I don't know enough about the psychology of humanity to be able to say, you know, largely one way or another that grief will make people question the fairness of a situation I can I would imagine that during situations like COVID for instance there was a lot of questioning around why this person why why us why me and it can make you feel very isolated because sometimes you don't want to say those things out loud because you'll sound like an asshole even if you don't mean to because it just feels like this person was so great this person was so this but one thing to remember is that this is the experience of of humanity Life and death is part of the human experience. And I truly believe that we are all souls living a human experience and that it is incredibly important to try to find those moments where you can connect to your spiritual to your spiritual side and connect to the energy that is the energy that is available to you across the board. So if you're If you're feeling isolated because of your grief, I would also encourage you to listen to things and do things intentionally that uplift you. Listen to podcasts that talk about, you know, chance encounters with the other side or that talk about, you know, listen to podcasts with mediums, gain insight into how you can help cope and really ask yourself, what do I need to feel better? Or what will make me feel better? If it's I need to just sit here and cry for a few days, then by all means do that. If it's I need to keep busy so I'm just not thinking about this, 
do that to a degree, but be mindful of how you're pushing things away and not dealing with them. Because again, one of the best things that you can do for yourself is identify what a coping strategy might look like for you. So asking yourself, what will make me feel better? What do I need to process this? Is it you need a day off of work so that you can go on a beautiful hike and just feel like you are you know, really being able to identify that there is so much more than just the mundane that you're, you know, you're identifying in your day-to-day life and that it feels so meaningful to be able to be outside, feel, feel connected to something around you. Do you need to go to a spa for a day? Do you need to get a massage? Ask yourself what you need and then actually give it to yourself. Don't just ask yourself the question of what might I need to get through this and then say, oh, I don't have time. I'm not going to be able to make this happen. That's one of the other things that I feel like when it comes to something like grief, especially if you're a mom, it might be really hard to find moments to yourself to be able to ask yourself any of these questions, but you have to carve them out. I guarantee you, you will have a moment to yourself where you can do 10 minutes of meditation or journaling in the morning or in the evening or during the day when your child is napping. I guarantee you, if you want to do it bad enough, you will find time for it. And... The grieving process is one of those moments where you need to find time for yourself to figure out what you need. If you need to talk to us, to your psychiatrist or find a psychiatrist, there are places like Alta, um, or sorry, Alma, um, for instance, where you can go online and you can find a therapist with a specialty in grief. You can, you know, there are a lot of really powerful messages that you can also find online podcasts books you know i would look on amazon on on the kindle app and identify okay maybe i need to just read and learn a little bit more about some of the questions that i have about the grieving process and why i might be feeling this way or i want someone who can understand where i'm coming from and reading a book on grief where someone can actually give you insight into either the psychological the psychological um I'm losing my train of thought, like the psychological aspects of grief and what you're actually experiencing or how that actually looks in the brain. And then I do, now I'm someone who used to not like meditation for the, I used to not like meditation because I felt like it was really hard to quiet my mind and now I can do it incredibly quickly. But also breathing and breath work literally does wonders. This morning I did a breath work meditation and I was exhausted. And as soon as I did the breathwork meditation, I felt so much more energized. The breath is one of the most powerful things that you can actually do, breathing in and out, identifying this rhythm, raising your attention simply to your breath. If you focus on your breath and nothing else, then you only are allowing yourself room to focus on the in and the out, the in and the out. And then I think one thing that's incredibly important as well is go slow. The grieving process doesn't have to be fast. I feel like our generation really is, you know, okay, suck it up, buttercup, and move on. I don't think that that's the way that we need to be dealing with what we're experiencing in our life. Yes, there are certain things that you can, that you can and should just move past and get over with. Grief should not be one of them. And there is no such, there is no one way to grieve. And so I would encourage you to eliminate any expectations that you have about what a grieving process should look like or what it might look like for you because you should not hold yourself to any standards around what a timeline is that's realistic for grief 
because otherwise you will continuously find yourself in a loop where I'm not quite ready for this. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I want to do that. Listen to your body. If you have, if you, I think it's also worthwhile to ask yourself questions like, do I want to go to this today? I'm feeling overwhelmed. And if your gut is saying no, do not go. Another thing with grief is guard your energy. Guard your own vibrations. You are the only one who can protect your own energy. And it is incredibly important. If you are feeling like seeing someone that you love, who you know also really misses this person, it's going to trigger you in some way and take you out of your energetic and take you out of the energetic space that you have tried so hard to create for yourself, I would encourage you to tell them that and say, like, I'm so sorry that you're struggling. I really need a moment to myself because I'm working on figuring out what this, you know, how I'm working. I'm grieving in my own way. And in order for me to process this, I need a little bit of alone time. Thank you so much for understanding. It can be hard to let other people down when they also might be grieving, but you cannot control someone else's actions, nor can you control someone else's reactions. So I would keep that in mind, especially if it's a parent and you feel like you're having to parent your parent, because that is not something that you need to necessarily burden yourself with. However, the most important thing you can do is show up for yourself first and then show up for other people second. And that also comes back to parenting and that comes back to so many things. It comes back to work. And also, I think another really interesting idea that I saw on Chopra.com is... Look into a TED Talk. There might be TED Talks that talk about what you experience when you're experiencing stress or anxiety as as it relates to grief. There might be TED Talks on grief. There might be, you know, I think hearing other people talk about their experiences, especially when it is backed by science and what physiologically happens to your nervous system when you're experiencing some of these emotions. I've been reading a ton about how to properly regulate your nervous system when you're going through certain situations that may be triggers for anxiety, triggers for depression, triggers for anger, and how you actually will feel it in your body. It's just like when you get that fight or flight experience. And you feel it, let's say you're, you know, something where I could see that happening for me is like, let's say you're in line with your child at a supermarket and someone is yelling at the checker and you're one or two people behind them. And this person's, you know, immediately feels like they could be a threat. You go through the scenarios in your head. If this person comes near me, this is how I'm going to protect my child. Like screw the groceries or, you know, just leave the groceries where they are and leave right now so that you don't have to deal with anything. That's that emotion and that response physiologically causes cortisol to rise and you know how you get back to that state of okay like that state of calm can be incredibly different for a number of different people based on how well they know their own body and how well they know how to regulate their own nervous systems and being able to regulate your own nervous system is based on practice this is something that you become increasingly aware of as you tune into your body and really listen to what your body is trying to tell you it's almost like when you're so tired and you can barely keep your eyes open which i kind of feel like right now And you stay up late and watch TV and watch TV and watch TV because you almost push past it because you just don't feel like it's late enough for you to need to go to bed yet. 
And that doesn't matter. It's when I was pregnant, I listened to whatever the heck my body told me very intentionally. And I was the happiest I have ever felt when I was pregnant because I felt like I gave myself permission to feel what I was feeling and to indulge in what I really felt like. I feel like this right now. So, well, there again is no way to properly practice grief. Self-compassion will be really, really key for you. And if you're not someone who is spiritual by nature, that is a-okay as well. If none of these tools sound like something that would be helpful for you, that's also okay. Lean to what does make you feel really good. If it's exercising, great. I, the, my only recommendation is to not use it as a way to punish yourself from feeling anything at all because if you were to be asked by one of your best friends, how do I manage this grief that I'm feeling? I highly doubt that you would tell them, why don't you work out to the point of exhaustion so that you just fall asleep and pass out so that you don't have to actually think about how you feel? Or why don't you just drink a bottle of wine tonight so that you can just not you know, listen to anything your body's telling you? And then tomorrow you can feel awful and you'll feel more depressed than you did when you got, you know, when you first noticed the feeling. Or like maybe you should just really heavily avoid this by packing your schedule full with events that you don't want to go to with people that don't care about your mental health and people that really just want to be able to kind of use you as another buffer for any of the issues that they're also not trying to face. You would never tell that to your best friend. So treat yourself like your best friend because you are the only one who will be in your mind and your body for your entire life and you should take care of you. If you are going through a grieving process, I so, so deeply feel for you. I understand where you are coming from. I understand that it is incredibly difficult. And I encourage you to take a moment for yourself. And I also encourage you to take a moment to try to connect to the spiritual side that ha- that is, it's there. It's deep within you. It may be something that you practiced when you were younger, if you went to church, if you prayed, got on your knees and prayed on your bed before you, you know, before you fell asleep with your parents at night, whatever it may look like, just make sure that you're taking care of you. And if you have children or family that are depending on you, the best way that you can show up for them is to take care of you. It is not selfish to practice self-care. It is not selfish to practice self-care. It is not selfish to practice self-care. You should do everything in your power to show up for yourself as you would show up for your child. And sometimes I think it's worth doing inner child work is totally for another time and place. But another thing that you can try is imagine your younger self sitting next to you on your bed, feeling these feelings of grief because someone has passed away that she is incredibly upset with. What would you tell her to do? And like, I literally really want you to think about that. What would you tell her to do? What would you tell her to feel? What would you tell her to tell herself? How would you tell her to confront the feelings that she's feeling? And then feel like you are giving that person a hug and incorporate her into how you practice self-care today. Because we all likely did not get enough of that when we were younger. And now we're all in this process of trying to figure out who the hell we are and how the hell we cope with what the world is handing us and why we're in this period of life that we're in with all of these things that are happening across the globe that are so terrible. But there are a ton of people out there who truly believe in the higher good 
like me and know that the collective human experience is definitely one where we were all, again, connected. It's collective. So do yourself a favor and look yourself in the mirror. Acknowledge that you are capable of getting through this. You are capable of overcoming this. You have likely been going through this idea of what this might feel like for a long time, especially if you're someone who's lost someone who was quite old where you knew this was coming. So you've probably had moments where you've you've seen them and then left them and thought, I hope that's not the last time that I see them. Or if it is the last time that I see them, I want to make sure I tell them this or I hug them a little bit longer. And then that that in itself creates anxiety, no, not knowing if that was the last time. And then once the last time actually comes, it creates its own form of grief. I can't believe that was the last time. I should have done this again, or I wish I would have said that. I hope they know this. And just know that if you put it out there for them to hear, whether you write it, whether you think it, and you intentionally want to connect with them, they will 100% hear you and connect with you. Whether they were spiritual or not, I, I vehemently believe in that. So in closing this time, please just take care of yourself reach out to a friend, talk to someone that really matters to you, journal, ask yourself some of the prompts that I provided throughout this episode. And most of all, know that you are loved, you are okay, and you will get through this.